I come here not too terribly long ago. This same verse of scripture. And I don't think I nearly done it justice, so I come back here this morning. Got gadgets everywhere. Uh, that would take another run at it this morning, but uh like to speak a little bit to something I said the other day, I guess, about sovereign grace. I must have said movement. <laughs> uh, never has been a sovereign grace movement as such. I'll explain that. Most people that truly are sovereign grace, they don't need a leader or an organization or their head is God. If they see it like it ought to be seen, they don't need an earthly head. Uh, I grew up in the American Baptist Association. Uh, it come out of the, Amer- of the Baptist Convention Church. And then later it got to be Southern Baptist and it got split up more and more. And that was their problem. All their split was always over who was in charge, mostly. Uh, one, one group wanted uh, representatives at the convention to be numbered by the number of people in their church. Others said, no, every church ought to have the same number of representatives. So they split. Went their separate ways and both organized again. Went their way. And, and now they're all still undecided. You understand they have to vote on whether the Word of God, the Bible is a true Word of God. They're still divided over that. They still don't understand that if uh, somebody was in deep, dark Africa, that God wouldn't save him unless they'd go and save him. But God is not that... <laughs> Uh, weak that he cannot save his arm is not shortened that he cannot save so I'd like to stay away from (laughs) any of that sort of thing and I'd hate to see the sovereign grace people decide that they had to have some head or organization or get more organized I'd rather see them just fellowship for the good of all and discuss the scripture because in the scripture lies salvation and outside of that I I don't you know I come up with Sunday schools and all that sort of stuff and I don't have any use for it at all salvation comes by the preaching of the gospel Brothers talking about we being here this morning. That Lord told Moses, said, call a solemn assembly. Get the people together and read them the whole law. Said the whole thing. Don't leave any of it off. Nineteenth verse of this first chapter of 11th Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul said, for there must be 
also heresies among you. Well, when I first read that <laughs> some years ago, I stopped and looked at it and said, what kind of deal is this? We don't want any heresies among us. <laughs> but then after I began to understand and examine it, it's absolutely necessary, not that we would have heresies all the time among us, but trials. Trial of your faith. It must always be tried. That's another problem I have with our Baptist brothers. Sometimes they want to get a fellow saved, and then they tell him, don't you ever doubt your decision, what it has done. If you have a problem with that, come back and talk to us. We'll reassure you about your decision. And that's the wrong thing. I believe it's a dangerous position to get in a position that you don't try your faith. You always must be a little doubtful that you'd go to the Scripture and keep continue to reinforce that doctrine of belief. And it comes from God, not from man. Man is not equipped to believe anything. He can't understand anything outside of God. Uh, that's what's wrong with that movement. It said, Therefore there must also be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. So, we judge ourselves and we judge one another. Also, it's always, always prevalent with man. It's his nature, matter of fact, to judge things. That's the way he lives day by day. Makes judgments all the time. And he certainly does about the things of God. And it's, it's to re reveal... Who is God's people? What do we fellowship around? Word of God. Around God. So we must have these things that we'd try ourselves and we'd try our faith, see if we are in the faith, and also see if we are in the truth. The truth is the main thing. God is truth. So we must always come back to that central point of truth that's in God. And we examine all things by the Word of God that we might know these things, that we might have confidence then in our salvation. But I would tell you that you always need to be examining that faith to see if it be true. See if it will sustain you. See if it will carry you through. In First Peter, the first chapter,
in verse 2, we'll begin there. He said, elect. He said, mouthful there. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. There isn't any better grace, if I can use that term better, a better grace than that that is given to us that causes us to judge ourselves. You got to keep going back and trying it, trying it, trying it. See if it's true. And then he goes on, he said, Grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Certainly that's where our hope is. That he lives. I told you the other day will come by the rising sun. Then the next little sign said, He is risen. He's alive. He's well. He's watching over you and I. And he's always causing us too to judge ourselves. Try the Spirit. See if it be the proper Spirit. That's the thing. We're always motivated by a Spirit. We are spiritual creatures. He said, too, an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. So you have it. And it's reserved and it's the cause and effect of our faith in Jesus Christ. said, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. And those things are always there waiting, waiting, waiting to get us. Old devil is plenty sharp. They had a little conversation going a while ago about him. He is, he is sharp. He's a man, so to speak. He's also a spirit. He's a devilish spirit. And he's always waiting to get us. These trials are always there. Their trials come on us day by day. We, we're living in this world, a world of sin. It's full of thorns and thistles. And stuff is going to jump out and bite you. So we must be constantly studying in the Word of God that it might build us up. 
that it might increase our faith. That we might look unto Him more and more and understand that He's the only thing that stands between us and that devil. So we must always be looking to God to remove the temptations. He goes in verse 7, he says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire. Then when we think on the trying, we think on the gold he's talking about here, refined, 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 refined until it's pure. And that's what our trials are doing. It does that always to people of God, that it refines them, reforms them, if you will, to a greater faith and hope in Jesus Christ. And he compares it, said that gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So it's getting us ready. Getting us ready to meet the Lord. He said, Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom though ye now see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. That faith is not complete until the end. It must keep being taught and taught of the Lord. Instead of which, Salvation, the prophets had inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. And all these things are grace, great grace. In the fourth chapter again of First Peter, In verse 1, he said, For as much then as Christ has suffered. Well, we look back at Christ. There's our perfect example. Has suffered for us in the flesh. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Well, we're going to do that by trying ourselves. Always. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For in the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, well, that's the way we naturally are turned to do that. So we must be exercised in faith. 
Bodily exercise profiteth little, but exercise in the faith will bring great reward. So we walked in their way. When we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revilings, uh, revelings, rather, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of right, speaking evil of you. That's what's going to try you, is the speaking evil of you. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For this same cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but living according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand, so be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. We won't go any further with that. But we're always being tried. Uh, I was thinking this week about how that things, my, my children's what brought me to thinking along this line. There's not one of them that has any interest in the Lord. Not one. Not one grandchild that I know of has any interest in the Lord. And, and it, is always present with me. And I'm always judging these things that, well, Lord, uh, why? Why this? Why do they not listen? uh, And it's not that they hadn't heard. They grew up here. But they've not listened. But these things try us always. And then we look back and we think, well, what about the patience of Job? His old wife even told him, said, just curse God and die. So we have to be careful. And we have to continue to judge ourselves always about these things. But it is God, it is God who brings mercy So we look at these things and we say, will all things work together to good of them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose? So we have to judge then that God is just and He's righteous and He's holy. And He's always looking about the affairs of His people. Always watching over them. On in the fifth chapter, then, if you just move on over there, verse 1 said, then, then the elders, which are among you, I exhort, 
to whom also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. There again is our perfect example. Even unto death, he served the Father in obedience and suffering of death for his people. A witness of the suffering of Christ and also, and this word also is a very important word here, also a partaker of the glory that should be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but for a ready mind. Neither be ye lords over God's heritage. That's kind of what I was talking about a while ago. Like That's kind of the way all the Baptist folks and all the other religious organizations that I know of have gone that way. And they always got somebody that wants to usurp authority over the rest. Uh, uh, when I first started preaching about sovereign grace, I'd done that for quite a while without knowing what I was doing. I didn't know it had a term. Uh, just to tell you the story, Paul was out in San Antonio. He was trying to pastor a church out there. He was seeing the same things. And he come down from San Antonio and visited with me. He said, I want to know. I want to know what you think about these things. It's, you know, it was strange to us because we had come up in the American Baptist Association and it, with them, it was all in the man. And then we were beginning to see that, no, it's all in God. And so we began, we began to wonder, and then all of a sudden, one of the fellows in the church, he's done read up something on him himself, and he come to me and he said, I know what you're doing now. You teaching that old doctrine of sovereign grace? And I said, yeah. I began to understand these things. So they brought a, one of them high-powered preachers down from Arkansas where the head of the American Baptist Association was. He brought them down. He preached to me for a solid week about how great God is. All of that didn't help me one bit. My God was still greater than His God because He could save whosoever He willed. He'd have mercy on whom He will, and whom He will, He hardened. So my God turned out He is a lot, lot better than His. But it all come. Back to that same thing. There must be heresies among you. So it tried me. 
to no end. And I had to go back and really do some studying and say, is this thing right? Is what I'm doing right? Is what I'm thinking, is it right? And I had to conclude, certainly it is. God Almighty is in command of all things. I don't care what it is. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away, because it has been tried as gold in the fire. So we suffer many things and many burdens in this life also. Uh, I've been most blessed in my life. We've never had uh, catastrophes like a lot of other people. I lived on Highway 249 at Tomball for a long time. But two New Year's nights running different New Year's nights running, we had a, what they call an accident right beside my house on the highway there, just straight highway. No reason at all for it in my way of thinking. One fellow run off the road, the car t- turned over and hit the culvert, tore the top off of it, killed him instantly. Another one, there's three women in a pickup truck. Fellow run over on their side of the road and hit them head on. Right at my sidewalk right there. So, I look at those things and I think, man, how blessed I have been. That we hadn't had some. Every time you get in that automobile, it's the worst thing I know of. Get on that highway, you're in danger. But the only thing that sustains us is to know that God is in control. We can rest in that. If uh, Outside of that, I don't think I'd get in that car knowing what I know. But God is in control. But, but it didn't start there. It started back in the Luke book of Luke, the second chapter. <clears throat> I get my fingers working here. Second chapter of Luke in verse 32 said a light to the Gentiles and glory of thy people Israel and Joseph and his mother marveled at these things. We could have went back further, but 
We'll start here. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. What a burden to know that your son has been born to die. Be pierced through. The Lord has come upon the scene for the very purpose of suffering all the temptations that you and I suffer in all the temptations that's in the world and going to the cross and laying down his life, but living his whole life. He, he was human also, you understand. Living his whole life knowing that that's his end, to suffer. To suffer and die for his people. We think we have some problems sometimes. But we don't, we don't know anything the kind of suffering that the Lord went through when He took on Him the sins of all His people. What a shame. And they took Him away and pierced Him. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also because of these things. In the book of Psalms, the 42nd chapter, <clears throat> I guess verse 9, said, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me. While they say daily unto me, where is thy God? You and I suffer those same things. We know, we know, and it hurts when they tell you there is no God. And it hurts when they tell you that He's not able to do what He said He'd do. And I believe it's the worst sin. If there is, if there is degrees of sin, if there should be such a thing, 
the worst thing a man can do is to say that God is not who He says He is and try to convince somebody else. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him who is the health of my countenance and my God. We could go other places, many other places. Back One of them be back in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans. He said, The whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain, in pain, waiting to be delivered. And these things try us. It must try us. There must be heresies among us. If we understand that principle, they must be there that it would cause us to judge all things concerning God. <clears throat>